You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 58 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Let's jump right into it. You know, I was thinking about how I wanted to approach this app when I had this incredible flashback to something I had not thought about in years. So I want to begin this app by throwing it back, throwing it back to the first television show which I ever hosted. It was called Talk 2 on the network ESPN2, which had just debuted. Now, that was a nightly one-hour talk show, and I would start every single program with what I called a random blast segment. And it was just how it sounds. I would just get off on these random blasts, you know, like a half dozen topics, and just let it rip. So, with 2022 coming to an end shortly, and most of us getting ready for 23, let me start you with some random blasts. Random blasts directed at both you and I. Some things I feel really strongly about and that are rattling around my head that I have to share and in no particular order. Why don't we start with this notion of extreme personal ownership. Own everything. Blame nobody for anything. Stop pointing the finger, passing the buck, throwing the victim card from the bottom of the deck and asking, why me? It's your life, your choices, your decisions, your thoughts, your actions, your consequences. Own it. All of it. And if something terrible has happened to you that was unavoidable, you need to own that as well. Like, I get it. It sucks. Life is like that. It does not discriminate. It sucker punches everybody. And good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. And you have to lean into all of it, the good and the bad. Appreciate the good, but embrace the suck. And most of all, own everything. Take responsibility for your life. Take control of your life. And the way to do that is by owning everything. Everything that happens in your life, and if it sucks and life breaks your jaw and hits you with a huge challenge, you take a beat and you own it, and then you spend the rest of your time and your energy looking for the solution. And no time asking, why me? Why now? Why me? Why now? I've got a couple of better questions. Who cares? And what are you going to do about it? Let's all do a much better job of practicing extreme personal ownership. I'm putting this out there so I can go on record with it myself and be personally accountable for doing a better job with it. I know I have to be better in that regard, and I'm guessing you do as well. Practice extreme personal ownership. Now, here's something else I'm going to challenge all of us to do, starting right this very second. Not at the first of the year and not with some bullcrap New Year's resolution. I mean, right now, no complaining about anything ever Literally, not one more single complaint. I'm talking about a zero complaint policy. Number one, nobody cares, right? No one wants to hear it because no one likes an energy vampire or having their life sucked right out of them. And number two, what do you really have to complain about? Personally, I know if I'm complaining, it's just a sign of mental, emotional, and physical weakness. It just is because I have nothing to complain about. I have my health my faculties, my family, my friends, an amazing job, incredible memories. What the hell would I ever have to complain about? And yet I still do. And it's weak and it's the wrong energy to throw off and it's going to stop right now. If you ever see or hear me complain again, you check me hard and I'll do the same to you. There's another random blast right there. Don't complain ever about anything. Now, this next one you've heard me say before, and you're going to hear me say it again right now, and I'll be saying it until they put me in the ground. 
and it's this. The standard is the standard and standard above feelings. Create your personal standard and adhere to that standard no matter how you feel. For example, anyone you know in life that is squared away, leveled up, anyone you admire, I guarantee that that person understands and adheres to this concept. The standard is the standard and standard above feelings. I'll give you an example. Like my standard consists of a series of substandards. For instance, I have a standard for everything. I have a standard for waking up 4.45 a.m. every morning. No matter how tired I am or how good that bed feels, the standard is the standard. Standard over feelings. Get the hell up when the alarm goes off. Never snooze. Never hit snooze. That's the standard. My radio program, as an example, starts at 9 o'clock every single morning, but I'm at my desk at 5.30 a.m. every single morning. No matter how beaten down or burned out I might feel, the standard is the standard and the standard over the feelings. I work out a minimum of one hour every single day. It's good for my mind and my body. Of course, there are days where I don't want to do this, but that's the standard. Standard over feelings. Get it in whatever it is and regardless of how you feel. This is the very best strategy I know for living the life you want to live and becoming the person you want to become. The best way to rewire your brain and create mental toughness. It's like a muscle. The more you do it, the stronger the muscle becomes. And then you don't even have to think about it at some point because it becomes muscle memory. The standard really is the standard, and it has to be standard over feelings. Now, speaking of before they put me in the ground, listen, you, me, we all need to get started right this second. Started with our personal reinvention. Started with living the life we know we should be living. Starting with becoming the person we know we're capable of becoming because we're all on the clock, and that clock is spinning faster and faster. I'll be honest, for the first time in my life, it's scaring the hell out of me. It is. Now, I'm not afraid that they're going to put me in the ground one day. I'm afraid of not living to my fullest in the time that I have left while I'm above ground. You see, it's not for any of us to say how much time we have left. And I'm not talking about the proverbial, you could step off a curb and get hit by a bus. I mean, sure. I'm talking about time. Time. It really hit me this year. And no, I don't mean like when my iPhone shoots off, quote, memories and pics of the family from 20 years ago. Hey, by the way, Apple, stop doing that, man. It's annoying and depressing. Oh, oh, there's a complaint. We don't complain anymore, right? I mean, do any of you nice listeners know of a setting or a way for me to shut down the memory feature on my phone? Now, anyway, what I'm saying is this. I co-host a gambling podcast every single week. It's like my side hustle to my side hustle to my side hustle. It's an absolute blast, but I can't lie. It is a monster to prep, and it sort of hangs over me every single week, and I spend all night, every Wednesday night, prepping for this pod. So I'm constantly telling my wife, Janet, holy shit, it's Wednesday again. It's like every single day is Wednesday. Point of the story is... It's a new way for me to mark time, and it's really scary because it does feel like it's every single day, but in reality, it's only once a week. So if the weeks feel like days, then the years feel like months, and then you look up and you've lost a quarter of a century. And even scarier, what if you have very little to show for it? 
What if you're nowhere near being the person you want to be and living the life you want to live? I'm just being real. I'm just being real, and I'm trying to get all of us to understand just how fast life moves and how fast that clock spins. So what is the answer? Be aware of time and how quickly it's passing and live every single moment with great intention and intensity and a sense of urgency. Don't waste any more time ever. Cherish your time because it is precious and pour everything you have into everything you do because that hourglass is emptying. Get off your ass, get after it, and have tremendous gratitude for everything. The world can be jacked up. I get that. But we're all lucky to be alive. Which brings me to my last point. And I'm looking at myself more than anyone else when I say this. Start taking massive action right now. Not just action or some action, massive action. Shock your system. Get the hell after it. And most of all, get real with yourself. Get off your ass. Stop waiting for the stars to align or for your ship to blow in or to win the lottery or for the right time to begin. I'll tell you the right time. I can give you the exact moment for when you should begin that reinvention or take that big swing. Right freaking now. That's the right time. Right freaking now. Good news, bad news. Bad news first. Bad news, no one's coming to save you. There is no pill that you can take. There is no injection that you can hammer. There is no hack or magic bullet to get the life you want or the promotion or to lose those 10 pounds or to increase your income. You have to do the work. You know, the thing about that book, that I so desperately want to release, come to find out, that book is not going to write itself. I have to write it. Damnedest thing, right? Nor will my weights lift themselves. Nor will my Peloton pedal itself. Do the freaking work. There are no hacks, no gimmicks, just hard, consistent work and study and preparation. I want to take a moment and talk to you about one of my favorite favorite products ever. A product that I used to buy and consume and share long before we had any kind of partnership on this podcast. I'm talking about Omaha Steaks. Absolutely love Omaha Steaks. Have for years. And now the holidays are here. So achieving gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks to me is a no-brainer. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and to make you a holiday hero. What you want to do is go to omahasteaks.com, take advantage of 50% off site-wide, plus use the code ROME, R-O-M-E, at checkout and get an additional $40 off your order. Again, it's a no-brainer. Send an assortment of mouth-watering favorites guaranteed to impress like the legendary Butcher's Cut Filet Mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers, and an even easy-to-prepare comfort meal or two that are ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com, use my promo code ROME, R-O-M-E, at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart. It's a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing that you are ordering the very best. Once again, go to omahasteaks.com, 50% off site-wide, plus use the promo code ROMA checkout to get an extra $40 off your order. Minimum order may be required. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code ROMA. 
Now, the good news is the universe does favor the prepared. So make that your separation. We all think we go so hard, but most of us really aren't. At least not as hard as we can still go. Hard work still wins. Discipline still wins. Grit still wins. That's my separation. I've never dazzled anyone with a genius IQ. I never really thought that I was superior at any one thing or better than anybody else at anything. I mean that truly. The only separation I ever thought that I had was I wanted it worse. So I made sure that I was obsessed with the mission. And it is just that. It's a mission. It's a lifestyle. It's an identity. And I made sure to do those things that I didn't want to do, but that I knew I had to do in order to be successful. And I did those things every damn day. And I still do. Get up. Go to battle every single day. And most of all, go to battle with yourself. Win those battles, and then you win the war. Stop waiting for the right time. The right time is right now. Start taking massive action and big swings. Swing the freaking bat and stop hoping the pitcher gives you four wide ones and a free pass. Let's freaking go. Okay, then. Our conversation this week is with somebody who, in a way, I owe much of my career to, whom until now I'd never actually met or even spoken to. As many of you know, I've been a sports talk show host for more than three decades, and I am in the Radio Hall of Fame. And before the podcast landscape exploded and there were all these online platforms, I hosted television shows on ESPN, Showtime, Fox Sports Net, and CBS Sports Network. But I would have never had any of these TV opportunities without my radio program. And I would have never had a radio program, arguably, if not for our guest today, Jeff Smolian. Because Jeff Smolian was the one who founded the first all-sports radio station in the country, WFAN, in New York. And like so many visionaries before him, people thought that he was crazy to even try it and told him it would never work. Of course, that station went on to become one of the most successful radio stations of all time, regardless of genre. I would even argue without that station, I'm probably not here right now. And if that was all Jeff accomplished, that would be one thing. But in addition to becoming a media magnet, he went on to own the Seattle Mariners, become a legendary CEO, business owner, entrepreneur, and on top of that now, a best-selling author of a new book entitled Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down, The Ups, Downs, and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur. So as part of episode 58 of the Reinvention Project, I'm joined by a fellow Radio Hall of Famer, Jeff Smolian, and here is our conversation. So, Jeff, it's hard for me to fathom that you are the person most responsible for the sports talk radio format. I've spent my entire professional career in this genre, yet you and I have never once spoken or met. I find that incredible, so I'm really grateful for the opportunity to do so today. Great to have you on. Nice to meet you, Jeff. How are things? Things are good. And Jim, it's nice to finally meet you. You're right. It's one of those strange occurrences that we never got together. No, I, I would say so. And it's great to do so right now. So needless to say, since this podcast, Jeff, is entitled The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome, I was not only thrilled to see you finally write a book, but I love the title, quote, Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down, The Ups and Downs and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur. So, Jeff, at various times, you've been a media magnet, an owner of a Major League Baseball team, an entrepreneur, an investor. You employ the likes of David Letterman, Ken Griffey Jr. I can go on and on. 
How crazy and wild, or in your words, upside down, has this roller coaster ride been? It, it, Jim, it has been insane. Uh, I've loved almost every minute of it. There were some I didn't, but uh, it's just been a lot of fun. I've been I've been fortunate. I've been ha- I've had so many great people around me, and we've done a lot of crazy things. Sometimes it worked. I have a, I have a favorite saying, Jim. The line between being a genius and an idiot is very fine, uh, and I've been on both sides. So I had one chapter in the book called uh, Idiot to Genius, which is the start of sports radio, and then Genius to Idiot, which was uh, my experiences in Seattle. Interesting. So, Jeff, how fine is that line between idiot and genius? Very fine. Very fine, Jim. And if you do anything in life, you're going to be on both sides of it many times. All right, so the book itself, for those who have not seen it yet or read it yet, is it a book about radio or business or maybe something else? It's really a book about lessons of life. Um, You know, I I wrote the book at the behest of my now college freshman daughter. I would drive her to school every day from kindergarten until she fired me uh, when she got her driver's (laughs) license. Um, And we just talk about life and all the stories. And one day she said, Dad, nobody would ever believe these stories. Um, and nobody would believe the lessons that came out of it. You got to write it. And one day I just started writing and I had, you know, in about six weeks, I had written about 300 pages and I sent it off to a couple of friends and they said, you know, you got re- you really got a book here. So that led to having, getting a great editor who helped, uh, basically say, you know, add this, cut this. Uh, and then we got an agent and we got a publisher and, um, it's, you know, the book came out the other day. Very excited about it. So, Jeff, two thoughts on that. Number one, I think you were fortunate to be fired by your daughter because that meant that she did, in fact, get her license. I don't understand right. this, Jeff. Like, my, we have a son who's 17 now, and he wanted nothing to do with his license. I remember when I was coming up, that's all we cared about. When we turned 15 and a half, we got our permit. Yeah. When we turned 16, the day of, we wanted that license. We wanted that freedom. We wanted to drive. And not these days. I mean, why would my kid, Jeff, want a driver's license when he had a chauffeur or a way... I mean, it was like almost a way out of responsibility. So to me, one, you were lucky that she wanted a license yeah. and fired you. Number two, what about those times? So on, 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 all kidding aside, those 30-minute yeah. portions of time that you spent with her, what were they yeah. like and how critical was that to you? My my favorite 30 minutes of the day. We just talk about everything. We are very close. Uh, although I laughed when she was a senior at college. I mean, in high school, she kind of grunted at me. Uh, a lot more than we talked. And then she went to college and it's the old Mark Twain line. I never knew how smart my parents got uh, when I went off to college. Um, so we talk all the time and, uh, and and we've always had a great relationship. And she just asked me, what about this? What about that? And I'll tell you one of my favorite stories. Please. Um, I, I would always pound into her. Well, I didn't physically pound into her, but mentally pound into her head. You got to have grit. You got to have persistence. You know, you never quit. Keep going. So one day she had a paper to write and she said, Dad, I got to write a paper on the most important quality. And I know it's grit. Uh, I want to talk to you about it. And I said, Sammy, it is not grit. The most important quality. I said, grit's up there. But the most important quality is integrity. I said, if you can, if your word is believable to people, people believe you, almost nothing else matters. And if people don't believe you, almost nothing else matters. So that was fun, um, but we've had a great relationship, and we talk about everything. I love that. I love what you just said. All right, so if integrity is, in fact, the most important thing, go back to grit, because grit is not that far behind. In fact, Jeff, how would you define yourself? How would you define grit? I think you just, you never quit. Now, there are times, Jim, when a project is truly impossible, um, and you have to realize that. I've been in a couple in my life. 
Uh, I always love Warren Buffett's statement about show me great people in an impossible project. And three years later, I'll show you a project that's still impossible and worn out great people. But I think a lot of things and, and WFAN and the start of all sports radio was one where we just it was a disaster in the beginning. I got needled a lot about about it. And then we moved on. And over time, it found a niche and then it became a monumental success. Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com is with me now. You've actually started a new operation, a new wing, Omega Funding Solutions. Exactly what is that and how does that work? You file an amended payroll tax return with the IRS and the IRS is backed up. You know, they were hit by COVID too. They had the pandemic to deal with. So it's taking them anywhere from six months to a year to process these refunds. So we came out with a solution where we can help you get access to that cash earlier in as, as little as two weeks. See if you qualify for an ERC tax refund from the IRS, OmegaTaxCredits.com. So, Jeff, also in the book, one chapter is entitled Rising from the Ashes the First Time. What happened the first time? Rose from what specifically? Well, we had we we bought the Mariners in the 80s. We had sort of everything we did turned to gold and we bought uh, the Doubleday stations. That's how we got into baseball and the NBC stations. And then we bought the Mariners and uh, and and the Mariners, we, we you know, I, I've always joked we weren't rich enough to own the Mariners. To own the Mariners in those days, you had to be a billionaire. Um, and we just couldn't sustain the losses. I, I also joked that to own the Dodgers and the Yankees, if you had a, a pretty decent paper route, you could be okay. But not not with the small market teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had that. We got the $12 million collusion payment, which uh, when we bought the team, everybody said, oh, collusion's meaningless. But we inherited the responsibility. Um, and then just the losses. So between that... And it was also a time when the American radio business suffered a major downturn. And our biggest stations in New York and L.A., uh, Power 106 and Hot 97, uh, suffered disproportionately because that format went out of favor. So we had too much debt. And um, I, rising from the ashes was how we solved that problem and stayed out of bankruptcy. You know, there's something here. I think it, you started what would become the biggest broadcast company in the country, and it grew so incredibly quickly. And, Jeff, you reportedly were worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Then the recession comes, punches right. us all in the face. I only yep. ask you this because of this. I know that yep. you believe there's a lesson in everything. So right. in one moment, you're worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But because yep. the company grew so quickly and the recession yep. hit so hard, what did that yep. do to your personal financial situation? Well, I've always been fortunate. Um, a friend of mine said, you know, you're, you, 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 after all that, he said, you still have more money. I know you, you have more money than you'll ever spend. Um, uh, during this book, people have said, uh, asked me about a conversation I had with Sam Zell, where Sam wanted to merge it with j Um, And I said to Sam, Sam, if I want to make the most money, I do this. Um, because I know in two years, you'll know when this business has peaked and you'll sell and we'll get out for top dollar. But I love what I do and I love the people I do it with. So money, listen, everybody needs to be economically successful. And I've been fortunate. Um, and but, but I've also felt that the experience was more important than the dollars and cents. See, this is really interesting because I, I, I know all of those folks too. I remember J Corps because I was there too when they were yeah. buying everything up in Sam Zell. It's interesting, Jeff. Like it's it's so cutthroat and business is business, but did you love the format? Did you love radio more than you loved the bottom line? Like you pointed out, I think the line was something like I yeah. loved it more than I should have rationally, right? Yeah, I did. I loved it. Um, and and listen, 
uh, you know, I think a lot of people would look at it and say, boy, are you dumb? And uh, but I did what I loved. I, I have a favorite saying, Jim. I said, if any one of 10 things that happened, my company would be 100 times bigger. And if any one of 10 other things that happened, I would be sweeping streets somewhere. So it's worked out pretty darn well. We're fine. We won't miss any meals. And financially, we're just fine. 100%. So, Jeff, when you look at it, like owning a Major League Baseball team is different than anything else because you really you own something that like there's a civic responsibility that comes along with it. And it's it's right. entirely different than anything else. Right. Like, what was it like to own that team? Granted, there were certainly there were challenges. But did you yeah. love baseball like you loved radio, for instance? Yeah. And we did. Uh, I grew up. I, I was a I, as a kid. I was like every kid in that era. I thought I was going to play center field for the Giants. Um, then I realized genetically, I think uh, uh, I think the last great athlete in my family was run over by an ox in Minsk in 1815. So that <laughs> ended that for me. Right. But but I but I um but I loved it. We also liked the economics. We saw the growth of cable um, in in baseball. Um, so we, we we always said, look, we love stuff, but we but there was an economic rationale. Let me sidebar for a minute. Like you, you talked about how like like every other kid, you want to be an athlete. I was the same way, right? Like that's how I ended up in sports talk radio. I want to be an athlete until I realized genetically that probably was not going to happen. But in terms of iconic radio stations, I don't want to turn this into a radio conversation. I mean, I want to, but I shouldn't because of where we are. You have to know your room. But my wife and I, Jeff, are products of the late 60s early 70s, and I know you were in California at that time. Remember Absolutely. the radio station, KHJ, 9.30 a.m.? Oh like, Jim, I, you know, and I talk about it in the book. When I was, when I was in college at USC, KHJ was the soundtrack of our lives. I had to laugh when I saw the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a few years ago because it was all, you know, 93 KHJ. And, and the first station we bought, before we switched it to power, we hired Robert W. Um, it didn't work out. But, you know, I, I, like everyone else in that time, listened to KHJ. I mean, it's almost hard to even fathom, but it was like, it was more than a radio station, right? It was a cultural phenomenon. Am I overstating yeah. this? It seemed like no. that there was no other radio stations. There were like no. almost no other things. Every car, every transistor, it was the only thing people listened to and yeah. talked about back then. You couldn't go to, if you had your windows down, you couldn't go to a, a stop sign, a stoplight, and not hear it. When we put Power 106 on the air in 1986, it was the same thing. It just exploded. Those days have really largely gone, Jim, because the world's so fragmented. People don't care as much. You know, you and I grew up in an era where your favorite radio station was, as you said, a cultural part of our existence. It's so obviously we're not going to stop the world, Jeff. The world has changed and part of being an entrepreneur. And I'm going to ask you about that in a minute, but you, you have to change. You have to evolve. You have to move with it. It's not the way it used to be. I'm kind of curious, like what's your mindset right now in terms of reinvention? How many times did you have to reinvent yourself? And was it a matter of kind of reinventing your own mindset or your business and brand? How have you approached reinvention over the years? Well, I think you just have to, you know, look at everything. Um, and always understand the situation. Uh, and I think the most important thing, you know, change is the hardest part for all of us, but you have to do it. So we've just basically looked at our situation a hundred times and said, okay, how do we have to do things differently? You know, it's interesting too. You, you are always been so positive and in some of the most cutthroat businesses of all, but you've always had fun. I mean, you've made a point. You read about this in the book. You got to have right. fun. I'm curious because you pretty much mandated it among your employees, like you're mandating fun. Did you consider that a good business practice or maybe was that just the way that you were wired and built personally? 
Well, I think it is a good practice, Jim, because I think from my standpoint, you can't you can't accomplish much if the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you're and you live in agony. So we always wanted a culture where people were happy, where people could kid around, because I just think that's a that's a workplace that's much, much more productive than a workplace where everybody carries the weight of the world on their shoulders. All right. So when we talk about entrepreneurship, you are a serial entrepreneur. And I know that we have plenty of entrepreneurs and business owners who listen to this podcast. Like, yeah. how would you describe what it's like to be an entrepreneur? Because it's not a job. It's a lifestyle. It really is. I joke that I, I was an entrepreneur because I'm not hireable in a free society. <laughs> um, but but, you know, I, I think, you know, it just it was part of my DNA. It was what I always wanted to do. I wanted to start things. I wanted to run things. I wanted to do new things. Uh, I think maybe it is a little genetic. My father and both grandfathers were entrepreneurs, but it was just always what I wanted to do. When I, I knew when I was at an early age in probably high school that I wanted to be involved in the radio business and run radio stations. I think that a lot of us who got in when we got in felt the same way. And some of the people that you and I both know that are still in that, and you still are too, you've divested yourself of a number of stations, but you still have a couple in New York City. That th right. This is what we love, right? This is what we right. love. And it didn't feel like work as much as it felt like a mission, a calling. Right. Where do you come out then, Jeff, on like the work-life balance? You know, things are so different right now. Did, yeah. when, you, when you were doing this and you were building this empire on the way up, was there an on-off switch? I mean, would you come home and then make sure to leave the office at at the office, or would you were you always on? Like, how did you approach work and life yeah. and balance? I'm always on, um, but you know, I've got three children and now two grandchildren I adore, uh, and I've always found that what, whatever they needed, that was the top priority. Um, so yeah, I think I'm clearly a workaholic. That's why I could never retire because I love what I do. Um, but I always found time, you know, I'm, I'm a big, big family person. I was very close to both parents and sister and brother. Um, so, you know, I probably look back and say, yeah, but you still spent too much time working. Um, but it was also my hobby. So sort of my work and my hobby were the same thing. So that made it a little easier. You ripped that from me. I'm kind of mad. I was going to say, in fact, that was your hobby, right? Like yeah, work and was. family. You're, I don't want to say family was the hobby. Do not. I don't want to get that twisted, no. but... Oh, yeah, that right there. That is the best sound ever. That is the best sound ever. It's also a reminder that it's time to knock out that new business idea and to start with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anybody from anywhere. So whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it is time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. And with Shopify, you will customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create diehard fans. Shopify can help you with all of that. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. Find out for yourselves. Sign up right now for a free trial at shopify.com slash R-O-M-E, all lowercase. Again, you want to go to shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, and start selling online today. I don't know where I would be without them. 
Shopify.com slash Rome. I mean, you, you were not a golf guy. You were not a fishing guy. It's like you were working or you were with your family. That's what it was, right? Yeah. And I've always said, if you've seen me play golf, you know that I can't, I couldn't retire and play golf six days a week. Yeah. I think that you and I are similar like that. Like I, I thought that I would get there. I thought that I would pick it up. I used to join clubs a lot yeah. when I was buying real estate that had golf club attachments, but I never wanted to spend the time necessary to get good at it because yeah. I was too prideful because I didn't want to spend time away from my family or the job. I understand that. Yeah. So, Jeff, one of the highlights and one of the most surreal things in my entire career was appearing on the David Letterman show, which I did twice. I mean, extremely surreal. He worked for you early in his career on one of your stations in Indianapolis. What do you recall about that time? Like, what was he like on the way up? And did he strike you as uniquely talented and separate from the rest at that time? Yeah. He, David was now, and we put him on a talk station, which, you know, in those days it was news talk and he, and, and a lot of older listeners. Um, so I've always joked most of the, I had a lot of younger friends who listened to him. We thought he was brilliant. Some of the older people didn't get it. Um, I'll tell you one quick story. Please. One day I got back from lunch and I had a call from a listener who said, Letterman's a communist. And I said, well, why is he a communist? And he said, well, he said, I called and said, there's too many car- communists in Carmel, Indiana. And you know what Letterman said? I said, gee, I don't know. And he said, Letterman said, you got to give them Carmel. Their football team's lousy. <laughs> Parking is always difficult to get. The roads are torn up. He said, let's give them Carmel and let's hold the line at Nora, which was the next suburb over. Um, but David, all he was brilliant. Uh, one day he announced that uh, Indianapolis had traded the monument in the middle of town in the, to Guam for a 315 foot celery stick. Um, <laughs> and we had, and we had listeners who called saying, how can you do that? We love our monument. And he said, well, downtown needs to be greener. So the celery stick, and he, he did one day he said, we're going to have the Indianapolis 500 and everybody wants straightaway seats. So it's going to be from Indianapolis to Kansas city. David did stuff like that every day. And he was brilliant. And he said, when he took the job, he's going to do it for a year and see if he could make it in Hollywood. And, uh, uh, I'm I'm a big fan. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy. It's really something, you know. And but when you're that far ahead of your time and you see things differently, you need somebody. You need a benefactor. You need somebody to believe in you. And I remember when I first came up, and my my thought was the way I approached it. Jeff was like, I I knew deep down, I'm not that different. I'm really not that unique. There's nothing that different or unique about me. And I used to ask myself all the time, How are you different? How are you different? And I always kept coming back to, I'm really not. I'm really not significant in any way. And then it hit me, you, you're you different. You need to be different by being different, but it can't be manufactured or contrived. So right. when I came on and I started to do it a different way, there was a lot of backlash and from the people that I work for, but I had a PD who was not a sports guy who's like, no, no, we're... He, he stood up for me. So when there was a lot of heat around, this guy kept saying, no, this guy's going to be a big, big deal. This guy's going to be a big, big deal. That's so important. I would imagine Letterman was like that, too. You had to have yeah. people who got him who had the courage to stand behind him. Yeah. And David had, you know, and David made it almost instantly. We got to California. I think some people at NBC found him. He did a morning show, which didn't last very long. But it's hard to miss David's talent. Um, absolutely impossible. All right, so you did you enjoy your time in California? Obviously, you have Midwest roots and have a lot of business in Indy. Did you enjoy your time in California? I did. I loved it. I went to SC undergraduate school. I went to law school there. Um, I've stayed in touch. I've been a trustee of the university for over 20 years. I love SC. 
Um, my problem is that uh, my, or my, my dad talked me into coming back to start my company when I got out of law school. The first six months, I said, what have I done? I miss L.A. Um, and then six months later, I just sort of fell in love with Indianapolis, and we've been involved in a whole host of things there. And it's home. And my family was there, and uh, I've had a, my friends that always tease me. Your biggest stations are in New York or L.A. What are you doing in Indianapolis? But it's home, and I like it. Interesting. So, Jeff, in the book itself, you write about your biggest victories, but you also mm -hmm. write about what you call your, quote, bitter failures yeah. generally, generally. Do we yeah. learn more from our biggest wins or from our biggest losses? You, you always learn the great lessons of life and adversity, Jim. Um, you always do. Uh, my closest friend, who was president of the Mariners, the day we sold the team, he said, what could we have done different? I said, you know, we just, we were in a tough market. Seattle's corporate community and the government just were not aligned with things like Major League Baseball. And we couldn't afford the losses. But I said, you'll look back on this 30 years from now and say, this is the best management I ever did. And I've always found that when things are toughest, you become more creative um, and usually do good work. Doesn't mean you succeed, but you do good work. And you learn a lot. You know, I, I go back to what I said, Jeff. You're so upbeat and you're so positive. I think of, and I've talked about my father on this podcast. My father was from Boston, and yeah. he was diagnosed with leukemia when he was 50. And mm. he didn't tell anybody. He and my mother owned a small business. They were manufacturers in Southern California. They made, like, high-tech garments and things like that. And he never had a bad day, never complained, yeah. never said, why me, never, never told anybody. And I remember him once telling me, and he, and he lived, like, nine years with it. And I remember him telling me once, I've only been depressed twice in my entire life. And I'm like, are you kidding? That's like, what two times? What were the two times? And they both had to do with him having to go back to Boston. He was one of the few that escaped Boston to get to California. <laughs> I'm curious, like with all the ups and downs and all the wins and all the losses, hey, have you ever, I mean, did you have moments in business where you were depressed or you were down? Oh, sure. Okay. Oh, sure. And I think... I think I had a, an inordinate fear of failure in the very beginning. Uh, I talk about it a little bit in the book for about 90 days. Remember when Letterman was there and, and Rick Cummings and first started there, um, I've always said I was a zombie. And I think I think so, I snapped out of it. And now I've said the rest of my life, I didn't have enough fear of failure. So I sometimes did some things that were probably ridiculously risky. But um, yeah, I mean, but, I, but I've really not really had much depression in my life. We all have our moments. There are days you come home and you want to hit your head against the wall, um, but you know it's been okay. So how how did you snap out of it after those ninety days? Was it not that severe, or was it a choice? And did you just decide, let's go, it's go time? I had a, I had a memorable dinner with my sister and brother in law, and the, and and I was just sort of in a funk, I, you know. And I I joked in the book that it was pre Prozac days. If I had known, I should have run down to Eli Lilly and gotten some Prozac or something. But I just we just talked about it, and they said, "Look, do you know what you're doing? Yeah, do you do you, you know if 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 you, if anybody can figure this out, you'll figure it out." And I and we did, you know. It, it got it's just radio back in the day. It just it was such a different different time. And then the world yeah. of business changed, of course, Jeff. Like I wonder, like people now approach work differently. And again, we all evolve, we all grow, we have to be flexible. You write about this in the book. But what about right. leadership? Right, like. How important is it, in your opinion, to always lead from the front and to be visible and to be on the front line every day, even as people work more and more from home and remotely? Well, I think, number one, there's no substitute for being there and showing the flag. Um, there's an old, very trite Cadillac commercial where 
the, you know, the, the, the boss is always the last car in the parking lot. And I've thought about that a lot. I don't think you can lead if people don't show, if you don't show people, you're willing to work harder than anybody else. And you'll go through more walls for your people than you ask them to go through for you. So I've always thought the leader does set the tone. Um, and, and I think that's the most important thing a leader can do is, you know, we're a very collaborative company. I'm very proud of the fact that my senior people can walk into my office and tell me I'm full of it any day. And that's, you know, as a matter of fact, the story with WFAN was I wanted to do WFAN and, our, and we had a manager's meeting and it got voted down. Hmm. And a friend of mine said, what do you want to do? And I said, you can't lead where people won't follow. And so we're not doing it. And then the next day, Rick Cummings, who's been with me all of these 40 some years, and Doyle Rose, um, who's head of our radio group, said, look, we still think it's a stupid idea. We don't think all sports can ever work, but we know you love it. Um, and we're, we're hitting on all cylinders with everything else we're doing. So we'll try it. Um, but that's but I, I think the leader has to set the tone. And I think we, we have found that if it's not a collaborative group, it never works. OK, but at the same time, you've got to have the courage and the conviction, right? I mean, it seems so absurd right now to think that that was not a good idea and that somebody would try and talk you out of that. But to be fair, to be fair, when I got my first big break on 690 a.m., they were yeah. only partly they were not all sports. There's still right. news talk and sports. You had the only all sports talk station in the country. And, right. you know, that was the dream. I mean, I, met, yeah. I went to bed every single night dreaming of working for WFAN when I was yeah. coming up. And, you know, how, how ironic it got to the point, Jeff, where there were there were markets with four all sports talk stations in it yeah. at some point. So what what is the message in you have to have the courage and conviction to chase that dream, no matter how absurd it seems? Until well, proven otherwise, I, right? Yeah, I've always said the world is largely changed by lunatics. Um you know, it, 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 the world has changed by people who don't do what everybody else does. Conventional wisdom at the time was nobody would ever do all sports. It's hard to research something that nobody knows. But what you find is usually when you go out and you try something, and again, you know, we all have to have an understanding of risk. Um, but the reality is that the world has changed by doing things differently than everybody else. You know, I'm curious, like Jeff, this this podcast that you're on right now is interesting in the sense that I'm 58 and I'm thinking very deeply about how can I make the next 25 years of my life personally and professionally the best 25 years of my life. I want to be that guy thinking to myself, my best work and my best life are behind me. Otherwise, why get up and get vertical in the morning? But what's really right. interesting is I get feedback, Jeff, from like my high school senior son's friends on the baseball team or otherwise that listen and they're mindful. You've talked about the time you spent with your daughter. What advice would you give? And I've got another son. We have another son graduating college this year. Right. If they're coming out and they're entering the workforce right now, what is the best bit of advice you could give somebody, regardless of industry, if they're graduating college right now and they really want to hit it? Well, I think the most important thing is find something you love. Uh, Jim, when you when you love something, you work harder. Now, when I speak to college kids, I always say, find something you love unless it's a felony. You know, then don't do that. Right. Um, but but seriously, you know, finding something you love, um, you're just going to be better at it. You're going to care more. You're going to work harder. And it's surprising. The harder you work, the better you do. So I think that, you know, hopefully you can find a career that really interests you. So I'm curious, like, Jeff, what do you do with the next 25 years? I mean, you have kids, you have grandkids, you have family, you have business. Yeah. Do you try to maintain and keep going? Or is there a way to, like, how do you further develop yourself and create new business and live the best version of yourself? How are you approaching it? 
Well, we, you know, I think the hard part, Jim, was we did vacate most of the radio stations and the magazines because we just felt we we really love when things are growing. And we just found we couldn't find the growth. You go back to the, the days of KHJ or when we started Power. Radio is a different business. Doesn't mean it's not a great business, uh, but it's not it's not a growing business. And so we said, we really want to find things that grow. So we bought we bought a, a few new businesses. We're looking for more. Um, and I'll always love the challenge of doing something new. And that's that. So I don't know how long I've got. I'm a lot older than you. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to keep doing it and uh, and hopefully find things that I love every day. I guess before I let you go, my one one reaction is it's it is what it is. I mean, I hate that cliche, but it is what it is. And it's a little bit sad yeah. because you and I came up on radio. We love radio. You haven't given up on the on the median. I haven't. I'm still a syndicated radio talk show host. But we understand, right, that other people, people are finding other ways to get their content and right. they want it on demand. We know this. We understand this. Right. So that's kind of sad. On top of that, I mean, it's one thing. I understand what you're saying. You want to be in businesses that you can grow. What about personally? What are you doing personally to, to make sure that you are living your best version, that you're growing, that you're developing personally? Or well, I, hope, I, I hope I'm a decent husband and I hope I'm a decent father and a decent grandparent. Uh, I'm, I'm blessed with a, a wonderful family and an awful lot of friends, more friends than you can imagine that I love hanging around both from the industry and my community. Um, and then, and then just the excitement of, you know, owning a company, running a company that hopefully is doing new things and, you know, and, and having fun. Man. Yeah. I didn't understand this earlier. I had a, a professor in college who once said, well, I went to UC Santa Barbara, Jeff, and this guy said to me, I thought this guy was a little bit odd, but I thought he was fascinating. And I remember he said to me, hey, a new bike is not going to change your lives. And I thought to myself, considering I'm riding this rusted out old bike, a new bike might change my life. And he said, no, it's the relationships, relationships. When I was 19, I didn't really understand that. It is about the relationships, isn't it? And, and Jim, I could not agree more. Um, you, know, you, you know, now my wife would tell you, I always said I can only wear one suit at a time. Or, you know, my wife would say, yeah, but you could dress better than you do. But that's another story. But I mean, yeah, I think the obsession with material things is a, a very self-defeating thing. I think the, the relationships you have, uh, the fun you have, it's usually not dependent on how many things you acquire. It's the truth, boy. Once that dopamine, dopamine fix runs out, and it doesn't last long ever. It took me a long time to figure that out, too. It doesn't right. last long ever. But relationships do if you nurture, nurture them accordingly. So, Jeff, the book is an absolutely tremendous read, and it's not just for those of us in the media industry, but for anybody looking, I think, for inspiration and motivation and loves great anecdotes and stories. I would imagine our listeners could pick up Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down anywhere books are sold, or where can yeah. they get it? They can get it anywhere. I think uh, you could go on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Um, or any, you know, Apple, the Apple bookstore. And I think you can download it or you can have it delivered to you probably the same day. Never, it's a, it's under uh, never ride a roller coaster upside down. So uh, do you have another one in you or is this going to be a one-off or are you thinking about a sequel? My, it's funny. My uh, editor said, okay, what are we going to do for the next book? And I said, you got to be kidding me. You know, <laughs> I, this is it. I, I don't know. I listen, I doubt it. Uh, but it's certainly been a lot of fun. It was the most cathartic experience I've had. It's been incredibly gratifying the feedback I've gotten. Um, so we'll see, see what happens. You're like, Jeff, hey, hey, editor person, can I enjoy this for five minutes before we start working on the next one, right? You're right. That's exactly right. 
Exactly well, right, Jim. Well, like this was long overdue, Jeff, but I really do appreciate that. Like I said, I'm glad that you and I finally came together. We could have this conversation. Congratulations on a great literary effort, and I really enjoyed this conversation very much, Jeff. Thank you so much for making time. Thanks, Jim. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Jim. My thanks to Jeff Smolian for that tremendous conversation and for creating a format and a genre where I could live and work and grind. Remember to pick up his new book. It is an excellent read. Speaking of grind and books, get going. Stop putting off what you know has to be done. For me, it's that damn book. It's that book. I've had so many excuses not to write the book or even start to write the book. I don't have enough time. I don't know the right format. Personally, I'm still a work in progress. It's too soon. You know what? It's bullshit. All of it, of course. Of course, there's enough time and there's not a valid excuse or reason for not doing what you know you have to do, for not doing those things that you know will improve you and your life. So do those things. Me, I need to get busy on that book and I will and I am. A couple of more things I would love to see you do if you don't mind. If you could subscribe to this podcast and hit me with a nice five-star review, that would be truly awesome. In the meantime, have an amazing holiday season. Know that I appreciate you all very, very much. Enjoy the holidays, but don't come off the rails completely because we are going to hit the ground running in 2023 and make it our best year ever. I will see you on the other side right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.